want you to focus on this because, listen, I want your heart to be burdened. I want it to feel like you feel. Man, we've been judgment, 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 judgment since chapter 4 or chapter 5. We've been, it's not been number judgment, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven personalities, right? Now we, got to, we had the seven uh, bowls last week, right? Remember the seven bowls? But this was taking a turn. The picture is changing. We did the seven bowls of it being poured out. Now we're going to look at the city and how those bowls affect the city of Babylon and the people of the world. Revelation 17, starting at verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit, capital S, the spirit, into a wilderness. And he says, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Can you picture that? I can't even picture that, you know, sort of. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus, when I saw her, John said, I wondered greatly. Now listen, here we have one of the seven angels from last week's delivering the seven bowls, right? That's who one of these angels are. He connects the dots relating the seven bowls to the harlot city or world system called Babylon. Revelation 16, 1 through 21. That's last week's message that we had. So you can go back and look at that online. So in chapter 17 and 18, we will see a snapshot change from the sequence of what was sequentially happening or going on in chapter 16 with the passing of the seven bowls of judgment. We will look at the Antichrist world empire, which was the target of those judgments. The harlot that we that, that will be judged is not a woman prostitute as you and I would think today. Just so you know, in the sense that we understand what a prostitute is. Amen? The word harlot here, when you look at it in the original, is a way of saying false religion. False religion or defection from the spiritual or idolatry, Right? Also, religious apostasy, an abandoning of the faith in Christ. It's a walking away from any kind of faith in God or Christ. There are several aspects to this harlot city called Babylon. And we will see it uh, today. We will see the religious system in chapter 17. And we will see the commercial system in chapter 18. So the religious system today we're going to look at. In Revelation 17, 15, listen, you're first fill in the blank on there. There are different. There are several aspects uh, to all of this, to, to to the harlot, and I want you to get this. Number one, the first one is her authority. Her authority. Revelation seventeen fifteen, all the way down to fifteen, he says, and he said to me, 
The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Now listen, folks, literal Babylon that we know of from the Bible in the past, think about it, existed on the Euphrates River, passing right through the middle of it. That's where the original Babylon was. Jeremiah 51, 12 and 13 says, What he spoke concerning the inhabitants of Babylon, verse 13, O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasures, your end has come and the measure of your end. The real city of Babylon in antiquity took its seat along the river Euphrates. This Babylon in the future will do the same thing. Will do the same thing. But this is not about a geographical location, folks. I want you to know that this morning. It's about people, and it's about nations, and it's about the world. That's what it's about. This harlot will dominate the world of all unsaved people of the entire world. All lost people, all unregenerate, unrepented people. Listen, this involves each and every one of them. Now listen, bless God. We know Jesus is Savior. We're not going to be here for this. Keep that in the back of your mind. Amen. But you know people who could be here for this. Amen. Amen. Equally, we know people who could be here for all of this. And I know you don't want that. Me neither. We need to get busy. Listen, her authority is going to be universal in scope. It's going to be worldwide. The second thing, aspect, is her alliances. Oh, she has alliances. This is how she does it. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth, listen, were made drunk with wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. So the first thing I want to talk about here, she will be allied not only with kings of the earth, But every unbeliever on the globe, every person on the globe she'll be allied with. Every unbeliever, every king, every common person, they will become drunk with the wine of her immorality. Immorality. We're already seeing it today. We're already seeing it in a huge scale in our country and globally around the world. All lost people caught up in the final false religion of the world. See, that's where Babylon, that's where it all started. The Tower of Babel. That's where all the false religions started. The Tower of Babel and Nimrod. You go back and read all those stories of that. These are those intoxicated with the Antichrist's false world religion. The second thing is the angel carries John away in the spirit of God into a wilderness. Carries him away. This is a vision. In this wilderness, John sees a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Here the beast, the Antichrist, the beast is the Antichrist, is supporting the harlot. Now remember the false religions of the world. The Antichrist is supporting these false religions within the world. This initial unifying and controlling factor of Antichrist's kingdom will be the religion of the world. People will look for supernatural power that the Antichrist will provide for a time to find relief from the judgments of God. To look for answers to the judgments of God. And he will provide answers, false answers. He will woo people to trust him and to believe in him, the Antichrist. This beast and woman will coexist for a time. They will coexist. The false religion 
uh, society, the world is going to coexist with this Antichrist for a period of time. But a time will come where the beast will separate himself from the harlot, becoming a religion all to himself, all to himself, sharing with no one, leaving the woman desolate and naked, eating her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. Scriptures, and we'll talk about it a little bit here later. The abomination of desolation which takes place in the third temple when the Antichrist reveals who he really is. He wants everybody to worship him. This is where the false prophet also will make the world worship the Antichrist. He's going to have help. He's going to have a false prophet that's going to be able to do signs and wonders too. And he's going to drive people to the Antichrist. He's going to prop up the Antichrist as being everything. Everything will be unified. Listen, from here on out, the beast will rule over all. Also, scarlet in color associated with luxury and royalty, right? It also, listen, it's also the color of sin. Did you know that? Color of sin. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be like what? Scarlet. Right? But they will be washed, what, white as snow. We see the Antichrist will take for himself the names and titles that belong to God. The beast has seven heads, right? You have ten horns. Can you imagine that? I'm like, mm, I can't imagine seeing something like that. The seven heads represent seven mountains or seven kings of past, present, and future governments. Ten horns are ten kings, in verse 12, who will rule subordinates, listen, will rule subordinates to the Antichrist, in verse 13. The harlots embrace, listen, will include all the unredeemed kings and rulers, as well as all the common people globally all over the world. Everyone worshiping and submitting to her form of religion. That's what everybody's going to do. A one world globalism government, a one world religion, that's where we're headed. And we know, we see it today. When they start talking about chips in your hands, that you got to buy groceries and tell you who you are, listen, it's all coming. I'm not saying that's the mark of the beast. We know there's a mark on the forehead and in the hand. But you will know if you're here, but I don't plan on knowing, right? How about you? I don't plan on knowing. I plan on being, being with Jesus, right? Amen. I live for that day. It's going to be a great, great day for us. I know. So sad for the people left behind. Church and state will be united here like never before have we seen. People cry separation of church and state. But listen, when you don't believe God, believe, listen, there is a religion in you. It may not be a religion like coming to church, but you, listen, there is a religion in every person's life. Whether it's their job or another person or whatever, it's in you. I'm glad Jesus is in us. Amen. What a, what a beautiful thing. Number three, the third aspect I want you to write down is her clothing, what she's wearing. Verse four says, The woman was clothed in what? Purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. Now we know that prostitutes dress to attract attention to themselves. Amen. We do know that. She was clothed in purple, scarlet, colors of royalty, nobility, and great wealth. Gold and precious stones were her covering. Ezekiel 28 talks about that too. You might want to read Ezekiel 28. She is attractive 
and she is wealthy. Right? World system now. Number four. Let's go to number four. Let's talk about her abominations. Her abominations. Verse 4, uh, B says, Having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality, and on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. She had in her hand a gold cup. This is a cup of abominations full of unclean things of her immorality. All unclean things. Where she makes the world drunk, so that she can take everything that her victims have in the world, for they are drunk to her evilness. That's what people buy into, the evil wickedness of the world. And they don't even realize it. They're drunk with evil. They're drunk with her stuff. That's right. Her drink. They don't even know. They don't even Listen, we used to watch people out here, and, and I said it before, man, I've had... I know people who identify, and they're a man, and they identify as a woman. It's because of the way they feel. It's never about how you feel. Amen. It's about who you are. Your feelings get you in trouble. Amen? Amen. They do. That's why you wear a breastplate of righteousness. Amen. You protect your heart, Amen. which is the seat of your feelings. We've got to love these people. We've got to love our kids and our young people back to Jesus. We've got to love them. We, got, we don't slam them, but we love them back. They need to hear the truth. And the only way to hear the truth is we've got to share it with them and show them the truth of the Word. We must, we must do that. Jeremiah 51.7 says this, Babylon has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating all the earth. That's what she does. That's what the world system does. The world. The nations have drunk of her wine. Therefore, the nations are going mad. Amen? Don't you agree? Yeah. The crazy stuff that we expose and see every day in our news, if you watch it, if you, watch, if you can bear to watch it. Keep in mind, this is a future city to be revealed in the end times yet to come. It's going to get far more worse than you see it today. This is nothing. This is a piece of cake compared to what it's going to be. After Jesus takes all of us out of the world. It's going to run amok around globally. Babylon will be the source of all false worship. All of it. The fifth aspect is her accusation. She has accusations, right? Verse 6 says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. And with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus, when I saw her, John said, I wondered great. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. He couldn't believe it. This harlot is drunk, but not with drink, but drunk in the blood of the saints that have been killed and martyred. Think about that. With the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. This false religion, remember, is a murder. And there are people out there that are talking about that people are not going to be saved during the tribulation period. I was having a, a conversation with a couple last night who some friends had told her from another church that there's not going to be any Gentiles saved during the tribulation. Well, my Bible explicitly tells me we've covered it. Amen? Amen. You had the 144,000 Jews that are going to be spreading the gospel worldwide. Who are they spreading it to? They're spreading it to the whole world. Right. you got an angel flying around around the globe sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, whoever shall hear it, man, get saved, be saved, be right. 
And the Bible says there's going to be myriads of Gentiles that are going to be saved. More than 140. There's going to be myriads upon myriads of people saved during those seven years. It's going to be one of the greatest revivals the earth has ever known. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to cost these Gentiles their various souls and their very, their very life. It's going to cost them their, not their souls, but their life, praise the Lord, right? It's going to cost them their life. They're going to be martyred. We talked about the throne of God. We talked about the throne and Jesus was on it when he opened the seven seals. Who was under the throne? All the martyred saints. All the martyred saints were underneath the throne. Begging the Lord, oh Lord, when are you going to avenge our death? When are you going to avenge our death? When are you going to avenge our death? All the people saved in tribulation are underneath that throne. The harlot is drunk, but not with the drink, but drunk in the blood of the saints of God. John himself was perplexed at what he saw. He was amazed at what was going on. Confused, dazed, shocked, frightened. A magnificently figure of a woman with such a deadly intent. She had such deadly intent. He couldn't believe it. It shocked John. Now let's look and explain for the harlot. Right in verse 7 it says, And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? Asking John, right? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, listen closely, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation, from the beginning of time, right, will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. A very little while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven. I know that's confusing. I'm going to explain it. And he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. You can go in Daniel and read all about that. Kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. Think about that. Short time. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. John here was asked by the angel, Why do you wonder? And the angel is going to explain the mystery of this woman to him in verse 18, actually. The woman whom you saw is the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. A great city, the rebuilt city of Babylon. It will be the Antichrist world empire capital city from where he works from. This city will be the center of his kingdom. His kingdom being the whole world. In verses 8 through 14 is a lengthy description of the beast we've talked about. He explains that relationship between the harlot and the beast. The beast that John looks at is the Antichrist. That is who the beast is, the Antichrist. He will be Satan's instrument to attack Israel and the world, actually. Prospective believers conquer the world for Satan and oppose Jesus Christ. The Antichrist and the harlot or false religion will coexist. For a time, I said earlier, this is all headed by the false prophet with his signs and wonders. And he's gathering the people and pointing them to the Antichrist. Just like we point people to who? Jesus. 
The unbelievers are going to be pointed by the false prophet to the Antichrist. And that's what's going to happen. There's always a counterfeit for the living Lord Jesus Christ. Always. After a stage resurrection of the Antichrist, he will turn on the false religion system to destroy it all. In other words, the Antichrist is going to fake a death. And when he fakes that death, he's going to be supposedly resurrected. And the people are going to be so fascinated by that. They're going to succumb to him. He only tolerates one world religion himself. He will shock the world when all of this happens and he gets up. Those in verse 8, and those who dwell on the earth are all the unbelievers. All unbelievers. Those do not have their names recorded in the book of life. Only the saved people will not fall for the Antichrist deception. Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect, the saved folks. The angel's statement in verse 9, here is the mind which has wisdom. All readers must pay attention to what follows next. The seven heads of the beast are seven hills on which the woman sits. Some people say those seven hills represent the kingdom of Rome. But when you think about it, the scope of Rome is much too small for that. For the Antichrist rules where? Worldwide. So Rome is just too small. The Antichrist rule is worldwide. This text plainly identifies the mountains as seven kings. Seven kings. Mountains are used in the Old Testament to represent rule of power. They are. Isaiah 2.2, for example. Now it will come about in that day. It will come about... It will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord, hear me, will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. These are seven world empires, listen, led by their rulers. The angels tell John that five of them have fallen. Egypt, think about this, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Listen, and Greece. And of course the one that existed at the time that we're talking about here when this is written was Rome. Think about that. And the other one that has not yet come is who we're talking about today, the Antichrist. Has yet to come. The world empire. The angel further says he must remain a little while. In other words, his empire will be short-lived. A total of 42 months. Three and a half years. That's what it will be, or the second half of the tribulation. Look at verse 11. It says, the beast which was and is not, my underscore was and is not, is himself also an eighth and is the one of the seven, and he goes and he goes to destruction. The answer lies in the phrase, the beast which was and is not. Antichrist will be one of the seven kings before his supposed demise and resurrection, and the eighth king afterwards during the second phase of his rule. Antichrist will go to destruction or eternal damnation in the lake of fire in chapter 19, verse 20 of Revelation. Unlike the first six empires, his empire will be destroyed by a direct act of God. His name is Jesus, right? Finally, right? The angel further explained that the ten horns are the ten kings. They are not known to an earlier generation because they have not yet received the kingdom. Why? 
They are part of the Antichrist's future empire. Maybe these ten kings will rule under the Antichrist. As ten ruling regions, they will be, listen, totally devoted to the Antichrist's rule. Totally devoted to the Antichrist. The reference to one hour means his reign will be extremely short, very short, very, very short. Their purpose is to wage war with the Lamb at the Battle of Armageddon. That's their purpose. Guess who wins? Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Woo. Happy, right? Completely destroying the opposing forces with the word of his mouth. Amen. He will do it. Nothing can defeat him because he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And with Christ, listen, with Christ when he returns, he will be. That's what he will be when he returns. He is. He already is the King of Kings. He already is the Lord of Lords. Can't change that. But when He comes, He's going to be the reigning King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse 14 says, These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those who are with Him are called the chosen and faithful. And He said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Matthew 24, verse 30 says, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and He will send forth His angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. What a glorious picture. What a glorious day that's going to be for each and every one of us. Amen? Christ will, without effort, crush the greatest armed force ever assembled in the history of the world when he returns with his elect and all the holy angels. Verse 16. And then ten horns which you saw, and the beasts, these will hate the harlot, and will make her desolate and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. And verse 17 says, For God has put it in her heart to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. So this alliance the Antichrist has with the false religious system, it will not last. It will not last. For the Antichrist will turn and hate the harlot, the religious system that he so encompassed, he's going to hate them and he's going to destroy them. He's going to turn them off. Why? Because he wants to be worshipped. His selfish desire to gain control of the entire world, and he wants to be the God of this world. Always has from the very beginning. The Antichrist will get rid of the harlot, wanting the world to worship him alone. Hating the harlot and will make her desolate and naked, is what he says. But it says. It's called annihilating the false religious system. This is all controlled in the scope of God's master plan. You think God's surprised by this? No way. It's all part of His plan. You're part of His plan. You know that? Amen. I hope you're in the way. I hope you know Him as Savior and Lord. You're part of His plan. It's called annihilating the false religion. Truly, we see Satan used as an instrument of God to fulfill His perfect will and plan in the world. Think about all of our humanistic people in the world today. Listen, they're going to get exactly what they want. And then the end's going to come so abruptly for them, they're going to be totally... That's why when you get to heaven, every mouth is going to be shut in the book of Romans. They're going to have no excuse. They're not going to have no rebuttal. They're not going to say, but, 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 uh, no. They're going to see the majesty of the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
And the Bible says every mouth is going to be shut because they're going to know right that instant that they messed up. They're going to know. They will finally arrive only to be destroyed in one great act of divine judgment. Christ and all his prophecies, listen, will be finally fulfilled completely. Amen? Completely. I pray that you're in the number of the chosen, of the elect, of the saved. That you know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord of your life. I pray if you're sitting here today, there's never been a day in your life, in your past, where you trusted Jesus to be your Savior. Man, let this day today be the day for you to be saved. Amen. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, listen. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart right now. I want to give you an opportunity right now to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, into your life. Pray. Ask him, say, Lord Jesus, confess him, say, you're a sinner. Tell him you're a sinner. Tell him you've done wrong. Lie, cheat, steal, whatever it may be. Tell him. He already knows. You ain't surprising him. He already knows our sin. What he asks for you to do is to acknowledge it before his throne. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I don't know how you're going to do it, but come into my heart and wash me clean. Take every sin stain from my life. You know, Jesus already did that for you 2,000 years ago. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Not I live, but Christ who lives within me. Paul was looking back at the cross, seeing his sins were on the cross with his Savior. Your sins were on the cross with your Savior. And Jesus is your Savior. Make no mistake about it. Ask Jesus to come in your heart right now as you're sitting there. Say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I have all this sin. Lord, I can't even believe you forgive me some of my sin. That's the way I felt. Why you forgive me, Lord? But he did. As long as you're living and breathing and alive, you have opportunity to be saved this morning. So I ask him, say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash away my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead on the third day. Lord, I believe that. Now thank you. Say, Lord, thank you for saving my soul this morning. Starting my life brand new this morning with a clean slate Lord, I want to live for you the rest of the days of my life. I want to know more about you. I want to chase after you. I want to keep my eyes on you. I want to turn away from all my junk, which is repentance. That's what the word repentance means. It's to have a change of mind with a change of direction, change of heart, change of direction. And you turn towards Jesus away from your sinful nature and self and go to a holy God who forgive you, and who will make a way out of no way in your life. Some people think they're stuck and they can't change. They don't think that, listen, listen, don't, don't insult the power of God. The power of God wants to change you. And listen, and he, want, he wants to deliver you from whatever it is that you're caught in. Whatever hurt, whatever hang up, 
whatever habit you may have, he wants to change you and he wants to have that and remove that of your life and start you with a brand new slate, brand new, fresh and clean. And this morning he'll do that just for you. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me now. Lord, I trust you as my Savior today. Listen, some of you may have made that decision this morning. And listen, my, my whole thing is I don't want you to hide that under, in your heart. Don't hide it in your heart. After the service, I want you to share it with me so I can lead you in what to do next. If you've asked Christ in your heart, man, make sure. We'll step aside and you can tell me. We'll step in my office and you can tell me the decision that you made this morning. And allow God to rule and reign in your life forevermore. And know without a shadow of a doubt, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life for all eternity can never be erased. Don't you want to know that this morning? Jesus loves you forever. He never changes. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always love you no matter what circumstance or condition you're in. He always loves you and he always extends his invitation for you. Thank you, Lord, for touching us here this morning. I pray, Lord, that maybe somebody gave their heart and life to Jesus this morning. And they will be courageous and bold to tell me, the pastor, so I can celebrate with them today. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this glorious day that you create for all of us to enjoy. Help us to make much of you to a world who is dying and going to hell without Jesus. That we would be the light and the salt where people will glorify you and they will know that we love you, Jesus. We praise you for it all. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said what? Amen. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. Thank you so much.